Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Genesis 32 and verse 10. The whole verse reads, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. The words of my spirit are the first words in this verse. I am not worthy. Jacob could view over all what the Lord had done for him and this was how he felt. I am not worthy. And we can be sure of this, that all of God's children when they are in receipt of the blessings of the Lord, whether they be temporal blessings, whether they be spiritual blessings, they will say, I am not worthy. There won't be any that will get to heaven and say, I am deserving of the blessings that have been bestowed upon me, I am worthy of them. No, they will say I am undeserving of the blessings bestowed. Not worthy is how they will feel. We should never think if the Lord blesses us that we will feel worthy of that blessing. We won't will have such a sense, even under the blessing of the Lord, of our sinnership, of what we really deserve, that it will balance those blessings, and in fact those very blessings, will bring us to say, what dear Jacob said, I am not worthy. Now, when our Lord was on earth, he spoke of those that really were unworthy of himself. In Matthew 10 and verse 37 and 38, he speaks of those that love father or mother more than me. And he says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then he adds to that, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So we find a people that those that are truly blessed feel they are unworthy of that blessing and yet to take up their cross and to love the Lord above all other and to follow after him though they feel unworthy of being a disciple 
and worthy of being a follower and worthy of being a church member and worthy of being amongst the people of God yet as the love of God and the blessings of God are in their soul they must walk in that path even if they're opposed in it by father or mother and son or daughter even if there was a cost to that path that they would walk in that path. In the Revelation we speak and read of the church at Sardis which was a church in a very low state ready to die. But even in Sardis there were those that had not defiled their garments and the Lord says that they were worthy to walk with him in white. God's people, whenever they are worthy, is because of God's work in them and the fruits that are seen in their lives that come from the Lord. The whole witness of the redeemed in heaven as recorded in Revelation in chapter 5 is a united voice, a loud voice. I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. The Lamb was worthy to take the book, to open it. He was the one that had been slain for his people. And the vision that is set before us there is the Lamb that was slain. In the beginning of that, Chapter 5, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. The book of him that sat on the throne, the book with the seven seals on it. No man, all of the counsel of God, the providence of God, all that should happen, all of God's people, but it was found that the Lord was worthy, the Lamb was worthy as it had been slain. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign 
on the earth. And so the message of Scripture, it is the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is worthy of all praise and honour and glory. And those for whom he was slain, and those that are blessed with his grace and with his mercies, they feel unworthy of what he has done for them and the blessings that they have received. So I want to look this evening just briefly at three characters beginning with Jacob, then going to John the Baptist and to the centurion, those three in the unworthiness that they felt and the circumstances which they felt in. Firstly then there is Jacob. Jacob he had already received of the Lord's hand many blessings and that is what he says that he is not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servants. And he says, With my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now am become two bands. Twenty or so years later, and he remembers, he remembers how low he was. He was on his own. All he had was a staff. And in the meantime, the Lord has blessed him with two wives, children, flocks, herds, every blessing. And he's mindful of it. The Lord had blessed him in his soul too. But these outward things were things that no one could tempt him, that did not come from God. They were things that God had promised that he would be with him in the way that he went, that he would bring him back again and he is coming back and he has these things and he feels most unworthy of them. May this be an encouragement to us. Jacob here is in great need. Really, he is in fear of his life. But at this time he's not losing sight of what the Lord had already done for him. And he feels most unworthy of him, and he says so. He looks for no reason why the Lord should preserve him from his brother, and no reason why the Lord had blessed him as he had. And yet he comes before the Lord, and really puts the Lord in remembrance of all those blessings that he'd had. And what an encouragement to us. We read about those having tasted that the Lord is gracious. Very often it is in providential ways, in ways that are the lesser, that there is a tasting the Lord is gracious. When the Lord was on earth, he fed the multitudes. They tasted, in a very literal way, miraculously, the food that he provided for them. 
Later he says to them, Labor not for the bread that perisheth, but for that which endureth to eternal life. They had already tasted the goodness of the Lord, what he was able to do and the miracles that he could do. And he would encourage them to seek for those greater things, those eternal blessings. We think of those who, like the ten lepers, were made receipt of unworthy blessings of healing and only one returned to give thanks to God. Only one returned to the Lord. Many times the Lord will give a people and especially give his people to taste that he is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works, but he has not dealt with us as our sins have deserved. And as those sins are realised and we feel unworthy of those, then there, as with Jacob, flows that further prayer for deliverance and saving and later on a real wrestling for the blessing of the Lord. You might say the Lord wrought in Jacob even before he richly blessed him with spiritual blessings. He blessed him with a spirit of unworthiness, felt unworthiness. He brought him to a low position, brought him to a place where when blessed he would not abuse it, he would put the crown on the Lord's head. We can't think of a situation the other way around. If someone had been blessed with, with goods and health and strength and every blessing, by saying, look what a good person I am and because of my walk, the Lord has rewarded me and he's given me this and he's given me that and, and, and look how wonderfully favoured I am. And you would think, is that a good preparation for the Lord to show eternal mercies and pardon and forgiveness and the grace of God, which is never deserved, is never earned. That, that doesn't, you can't go from a sense of here am I and look how worthy I am of all these blessings and then to truly be humbled under the great salvation of God. Every blessing out of a deserved hell comes to us really through the precious blood of Christ. He is the saviour of all men, especially of them that believe. The only reason why the sentence is not executed speedily upon man is that the Lord would lengthen the days of the world out for his people's sake when the last one is redeemed, the last one is saved, the world shall end and the last one is born again of the Spirit. But until then, he still heals those who do not acknowledge him, he still feeds them, he causes his sun to shine upon the just and unjust and the rain and the dew and every blessing he gives from heaven but it is of his people that see these things and they say, I am not worthy of them. 
I do not deserve these things. And you see that sense, that low, that humbled attitude and that spirit is what precedes the richest blessings of God. Pride is the thing that marks out the state of fallen man. He rises up in pride. When we see the grace of God, even in temporal things, humbling and bringing down, then we see something of God's work that is a preparation for the greatest of blessings and favours that God could ever bestow. And so here with Jacob, we have him saying, I am not worthy. What stage is he saying it? When the Lord has blessed him and favoured him in many, many material ways which he mentions here. And it is just before he needs a great blessing from the Lord, a further blessing, preserving his life from Esau. And then going further on, he wrestles for the blessing, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And for this one that felt unworthy of those temporal blessings, the Lord adds to that the deliverance from Esau and adds to that the blessing. And we read in the end of verse 29, and he blessed him there. And he says, he called the name of the place Peniel, that is the face of God, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Wrestled with God and with man, that is our Lord in one of his pre-incarnation appearances. God and man in one person and the reason why Jacob could see his face and his life be preserved. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. So we'll leave Jacob and go to John Baptist. Now John Baptist we read of in well, a couple of the Gospels, but if we uh, just read from uh, Matthew and chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3 we have John coming, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And he testifies of who was to come. It says in verse 11, I indeed baptise you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptise you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John, he says, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Or in another, whose shoes latchet I am unworthy to unloose. He has such a high view of the Lord and he has such a low view of himself. And yet we might say, John Baptist, you are the messenger who is spoken of in Malachi 
that shall go before his face. You are the one that shall come in the spirit of Elijah and go as a forerunner and to proclaim his coming. Now our Lord spoke of John the Baptist, that of all the prophets, there was no greater than John the Baptist. He was the last of the prophets. He was of the prophets that actually saw in the flesh the Lord Jesus Christ. The other prophets, they spoke of him. They saw him in vision, in prophecy, but they didn't see him as John the Baptist did. Our Lord indeed says that he that was least in the kingdom of heaven was greater than he, meaning that John Baptist, he never saw the Lord crucified, slain and risen again. He wasn't in the days of the apostles when the kingdom of heaven was preached and man pressed into it, the sacrifice offered, John Baptist did not see that. He saw the Lord, the same as Simeon. Lord, now let us there, thy servant, depart in peace. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. But nevertheless, John Baptist was in a very prominent position and chosen by God to be in that position. But as he is executing that office, as he is pointing out the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He feels his unworthiness. He is testifying of himself that I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And yet he does not come feeling so worthy. And we, we could really add in this, in this thought of those that are put into a position, the Apostle Paul, who says that he was not worthy to be called an Apostle because he persecuted the people of God. And yet God put him into that position. And so we get another picture where one has been appointed into a position, whether it be a child of God, one in the family of God, whether it be in the church of God, a deacon, or a minister of the gospel, or a pastor, whatever position it is, or maybe head over a house as a husband, or put in the position for as a wife over the children, a mother of children, and to realise that position and the responsibility and the blessing of that position to actually then feel, I am not worthy. I'm not worthy of it. Again, it is a humble walk. It's a very opposite walk than what proud nature would walk. And it's good to notice the effect of grace and the effect on those who have been greatly blessed and greatly used that truly have been blessed by God. It has not gone to their head 
And you're not strutting about saying, here am I. And really, if people read their Bibles, if they knew that character, then many would not be deceived by the multi-million dollar pastors in those mega churches in America, although any that really uh, are a people that want men to go after them, have them in admiration because of an advantage and to follow after them. It is one real warning sign to any, if they are seeking the truth and seeking the way of truth, John Baptist, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. I am not worthy, but he is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. And that must be the message of all the people of God and every servant of the Lord in whatever station that we are put into, that the very position that we're in should humble us and make us to feel unworthy of it. That doesn't mean then that we shouldn't diligently discharge that office or that we should be backward in actually going into that office if put into it by the Lord and by his people. It is a reminder that those who truly are to go in those offices they enter into it feeling like a little child, unworthy, unfit. You think of with Solomon when he was put into the position of the king over the people of God. And he said, and he wasn't a little child, but he said that he felt like one and that he wanted that wisdom which was from God. And God gave him that wisdom that he needed. It was said of King Saul, who was before David, that when he was little in his own eyes, then he was exalted. But afterwards, then he rose up and put himself above Samuel, above the Lord, and that was his downfall. May the Lord make us in whatever position that we are put into, maybe in our earthly employments, whatever it is, that it has that effect on us, that we are unworthy. Well, the third one is the centurion. In Matthew chapter 8, uh, we read, and also in, in, in Luke probably, it might be a better uh, passage in Luke 7, where we have the centurion, because in Luke we have the elders of the Jews uh, coming to the Lord on behalf of the centurion whose servant was sick. So Luke chapter 7, and his servant was dear to the centurion. We read, when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him, the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, that's the uh, servants, the elders of the Jews, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. 
They gave the reason as he loveth our nation and he hath built us a synagogue. Others thought him worthy. But what he thought was very different because when Jesus was coming to him, that he then, when he was not far from the house, centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. So he sent the elders of the Jews, he sent others because of his felt unworthiness and all he wanted, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. And he gives the example and he says, I'm a man under authority. He's a centurion. He has soldiers underneath him. He says, I say unto one, go, and he goeth, another come, and he cometh, and do this, and he doeth it. And he's viewing the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a man of authority. The Lord could just like the centurion just speak and his servants would do his bidding. His servant would be healed. These blessings could be done just with a word. We read with our Lord, and when Jesus heard these things, he marvelled at him, turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And so in the Lord's own words, here is one of great faith that believed in the greatness and authority of the Lord and that all he had to do was to speak and it would be done. A great blessing to have that. As we come into the house of God, we read the word of God, we have it preached to believe that all the Lord needs to do to save our souls and to bless our souls or to heal us or anything was just to speak the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The world was formed by the word of God. Souls are saved by the word of God. My word shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. And he, this centurion accompanying or his testimony before that word is given, before his servant is healed, he is unworthy of it. Unworthy of the Lord's presence. Unworthy that the Lord would come to him. He is not seeking great things. He's not seeking wonderful revelations. He's not seeking the Lord to come with a great train and a great crowd come around his house and there's a great fanfare and his servant is healed. All he wants is the blessing, as it were, in a quiet way, in a way, through the word of God. I wonder how many of us, you're seeking the blessing from the Lord and your thought is, 
This is going to be some wonderful thing. If I'm to come before the church, I want a wonderful experience. And I want to be able to say what the Lord has done and, and, and others have seen all what the Lord has done. But just for it to be able to say where well, the Lord spoke the word. The Lord bless this word to me. So impressed on my heart and so spoke to my soul through this word. Would we think that too manual a thing? You think of Naaman, he had this thought how he would be healed of his leprosy. How the man would come and uh, out of the house and he would do something in some great thing. But all he did was send a servant and give him some directions to go and wash in Jordan seven times. And he was offended at it. Are we offended? The way the Lord chooses to bless our souls and speak to us. It was his servants that then reasoned with him, brought him to be humble, brought him low. You see the need of being brought to feel unworthy first, brought low. What a hindrance is pride, even spiritual pride. The heart uplifts with God's own gifts makes even grace a snare. Are we looking for some worthiness before the Lord will bless us? Or has the Lord made us feel so unworthy? And because we're feeling so unworthy, maybe in a wrong way we're thinking the Lord cannot bless us. Yet from the word tonight we can say it is those that felt unworthy the Lord did bless and did bring his word. They weren't looking for great things. They are looking for real things. And the Lord gave them that. And here with their centurion, he commends it as being great faith in what he viewed of the Lord. Really that is what makes all the difference. John the Baptist, he had high views of the Lord. The centurion had high views of the Lord. You may say, dear Jacob, had high views of the Lord, low views of himself, his unworthiness of anything from the Lord's hand. And yet, if ever there was a pressing case with dear Jacob, it was now, his life held in the balance not only that, the Lord had given him promises. There was much bound up. And no doubt Jacob, he knew that the promised seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head, it was through his line. It was through his seed. The promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And so there's a lot bound up with what was happening here. How much is bound up? in what is in your life, my life at this time. Very seldom it's just one thing on its own. When Hezekiah is sick and going to die, it's not just his sickness, not just his going to die. He hasn't got a child. He again is in the line to Christ. The things that are bound up, and very often we cannot see in another we might see an outward trial. 
but we don't see what is going on in a person's heart. We might see the chastening God is laying on one, but we can't see the exercise that is going on in that soul, that afterwards the peaceable fruits of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. The heart knoweth its own bitterness. The stranger does not intermeddle with his joys. And here in these three cases, what comes out is a real sense of unworthiness, a humility, a lowness, and that is what precedes blessing and deliverance. The Lord laying low first and then raising up a pattern that we find in Psalm 107 again and again brought down none to hell then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. That's the, you might say, black canvas that the Lord writes his sweetest blessings on. Our proud nature the old man of sin doesn't like to be humble. It likes to think itself worthy and mighty and high. And it's a great work of God to bring man low and to bring him to a place where this people have I formed for myself and they shall show forth my praise. And at some point in that dealings, the Lord is really showing them what they are and what they deserve. At some point, he is showing them the riches of Christ, the blessings of their sins forgiven, the blessing of his redeeming blood shed for them at Calvary. He's showing them their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's showing them that he's given them life. He's given them hope. He's given them a good hope through grace. He's given them a hearing ear to what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He's given them that mark of a sheep. They hear my voice, they follow me. He's given them a name, a name of Christian, a follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, like the Thessalonians who under the preaching of the word became followers of the Lord and of us and to wait for his Son from heaven. Blessed souls have that mark that one day they shall cast their crowns before him in heaven and here below, and like John Baptist said, I must decrease, but he must increase. Now on to, before we close, just think of this in a practical way. I am not worthy. It may be there's one that is hearing the words of nine. And this is what you have been saying. This is what you've been thinking concerning making an open profession, concerning confessing what the Lord has done for you, joining the church of God, walking in obedience. And it's this sense of unworthiness that is holding you back 
from confessing what the Lord has really done. But this did not hold back any of these. The unworthiness they felt, but they still had the richest blessings. They still walked in the way God had appointed for them, and they still obtained that which they asked. Really, everyone, everyone that is numbered rightly amongst the church of God feels unworthy of him. Him writer says, Why was I made to heal, hear thy voice, and into all this room, when millions make a wretched choice and rather starve than come? Why? Why did the Lord bless my soul? Why did he humble me? Why did he reveal anything of the things of God to me? Why did he show me his beloved Son and give me faith in his name and to trust in him? Unworthiness. It's not those that feel worthy that should come. It's those that God says is worthy and who themselves feel unworthy while they are looking like Jacob did at unmistakable blessings of God, unmistakable blessings in providence, and we may say unmistakable blessings in grace too, where like the two in the way to Emmaus, you can tell what was done in the way, what was done in your life, what was done in the way, and that is crowned by how Jesus was made known unto you. Those two things comprise the testimony of the people of God because the Lord does work in the way and in their life and he does crown it with at last revealing who it was that has done all these things, who has spoken, who has blessed them, who's walked with them and like the to the way to Emmaus, revealed himself to them. You know what they did immediately, wanted to do? Immediately returned to Jerusalem, immediately returned back to the disciples. Their first thought was, we want to tell what has been done in the way and how the Lord revealed himself to us. And that is what they did. And when they came back, they found that others also were saying, that the Lord is risen indeed. And may the Lord truly be risen indeed with healing in his wings and with his blessing to be upon us. And if that is the case, we will feel unworthy, but as unworthy, so blessed and so favoured. And may the Lord bless this word. Amen.